evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we are. it's a mini-sode, uh, because the team is off for the rest of the week, so we're not going to preview anything. Um, I, maybe I should have filled in a, a, an ex-New York Red Bull 2 report, but we'll have a, an extra long one next week. Tonight is going to be solely focused on this on the game from last week, uh, last Friday. They they lost at home six to four to Louisville City, and it was not as close as it sounds, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, but uh, joining me tonight to talk about that match, uh, the man who was there, I was not there as I was uh, <laughs> running around my house like a maniac. It's Joe Steen. Hey Joe, how's it going? Good. How's it going, Joe? Not too bad. We uh. We packed a whole bunch of people into our house because it was supposed to rain in the middle of the day on Saturday and that it didn't <laughs> rain, but we were already all set up and the ground was too muddy to use anyway. Oh, no, no, no. The rain, the rain, uh, the rain was today, not yesterday, uh, not, not Saturday, but, yeah. you know. But. Well, we had, I mean, the the way that Saturday started was torrential. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't very good. And then, then it cleared it, up it and it was yeah, muggy almost. and terrible. <laughs> that seems to be the summer theme this year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wet and then awful uh okay let's not take too much time uh, uh with pleasantries we have to dig through the dirt on this one a little bit uh red bulls they're on a four game home unbeaten streak it is completely annihilated by louisville city this was one of those you know test your might type matches <laughs> for ML- uh, mortal Kombat fans uh, and the Red Bulls fell way, way short. Uh, they started out great. Fast start to the match. Uh, Andrew Tanari and Ethan Cutler get get goals uh, in the first 15 minutes. It seems like I think it was 15. Might have been 17. Whatever. They they got on top. Yeah. They got on top very early, and it seemed like it was going to be smooth sailing. Yeah, it was in the first 15. I feel good again. <laughs> Louisville answers right back after that second goal. And then, I mean, the momentum just shifted in a way that we haven't really seen a lot uh, for the Red Bulls at home. Uh, and in particular, uh, over the last couple of weeks, Louisville just got right back in this match and and really started completely controlling it, dictating what was going to happen. And the Red Bulls, I mean... They've got uh, certain depth issues right now that I think uh, you know you could point to as as maybe reasons why they struggled a little bit offensively. But their backline really shouldn't have been one of those questions. And I think we need to talk about uh, Hassan and Dom, who put in his second straight uh, poor performance after you know looking like he had turned a corner. Uh, what what did you see from Hassan on the night, Joe? Um, I don't know what exactly happened with him and Kevin Pollitz, but there was way too much space in between them all night. And against a team like Louisville, you can't allow that because they're so good. You know, they get they got the ball out wide. They did, you know, every time they came forward, especially in the second half, it looked like they were going to score. Like, I mean, especially after the second goal, you could just see the confidence in that team because, you know, it, it just, you know, they um they had a they had a chance early actually to go three zero up three zero in this match and um. Unfortunately, Tom Barlow couldn't control uh, his touch on him down on a breakaway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that I think could have been a turning point in the match. But uh, some of the goals were just, I mean, nobody defended um, Illich on the bicycle kick. I mean, nobody even made an attempt aside from him from the goal. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, they, you know, I think it was moments earlier or moments later, uh, 
Devin Lamar had to make a huge save in order to deny them from actually tying the game up. And then, you know, you go into the fact that they basically kept trying to play. They tried to play it through the middle, and Louisville just kept shutting the door every time. And then on the second goal, they try and play it through the middle. It gets intercepted, and then it's just an easy ball to Lancaster, and he easily puts it away. So, I mean, it, it was just a lot of fundamental things that were just really, really bad in this game. I mean, the, the, the defending was poor. Louisville completely controlled the midfield, which we really haven't seen teams do to Red Bull 2 this year. Uh, in the second half, I mean, they it looked like it took them. I think it was one instance where I was watching them. It took them one pass. It took them two passes to get the ball in the attacking third, and that there was just so much space on the field. It was just unbelievable. Now, one major absence in this match uh, that I want to just touch on was Christian Caseras Jr. And we know what it looks like when Lima and Caseras and Tenari play together. But you know, I I think that if you if you change out any of those role players, things really kind of fall apart a little bit. And I think you saw that there. Once Casares came into the match, yes, Louisville scored two more goals because uh, the Red Bulls were pushing forward so hard. Uh, but it turned into a different team. And, I, you know, there's a couple of things there with uh, Louisville is able to take their foot off the gas because they're up 4-2. Uh, to or, or sorry, they're up five to two at that point, and you know they they give a little bit more space to the Red Bulls. But I think Casares did a really good job of kind of calming things down, which is something that they really sorely needed uh, on the field in general tonight, and maybe or not tonight, but last Friday, and maybe that's part of where Hassan and Kevin really struggled. Uh, is it the, the case that he needs someone organizing the back line? Is he not up to it, uh, Kevin Pollitt's I think is still just kind of young and, and learning the ropes, so I'm not sure if he's the right guy. And Evan Loro, he's done well communicating with the back line, but I don't necessarily see him as a great organizer back there. So, you know, who is going to step up on the back line uh, to do that? And should it be Hassan, who's the, you know, the sort of the veteran leader on the back line? I think Hassan took a lot of responsibility for this, and I give him a lot of credit after the game because he did take a lot of responsibility for this. He said, you know, if I have to, if I'm going to play in MLS, I'm going to have to be a lot better than this tonight, um, which is 100% true. Uh, I just think that, you know, he needs he's the veteran on this team. He needs to be the one to organize the back line, and I think he knows that, and I think he knows that they did a very poor job of that. Um, but I, I mean, nobody was good on this back line that night. I mean, not one person. I mean, uh, Cutler was getting victimized the entire time on, on the, uh, the right hand side and Devere wasn't much better on the left. So, I mean, it, it, they, it, nobody looked good in this game except maybe the, uh, Tenari and a few other players. But, um, it, it, like you said, once Caceres came in, they seemed the game a little bit control of the game. But by then Louisville taking their foot off the gas and we're basically playing, uh, long balls and trying to counter. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I just really think that, you know, if Hassan wants to, you know, play in MLS, he's got to have to show that he's got to be the leader on this team. And he knows that. He addressed it in the post game, which uh, I thought it was very mature response by him uh, as far as what he said. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did read that. And that's part of uh, an article that Liam Petit wrote for us. Uh, you could find that on rbnn.us, talking about you know checking the tape and, and really analyzing uh, how those goals developed. It's a really good piece. You should definitely check it out. Should have had him on tonight. Damn, yeah, I think yeah. about. <laughs> uh, okay, the other thing I want to talk about is uh, the outside backs. 
So we talked about how Cutler really had a, a, a poor game. You talked about how Devera had a poor game. You have two guys waiting in the wings uh, in uh, Nico Devera. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Nico Devera is not waiting in the wings. He's been playing. Uh, you've got Andrew Lombard. You've got uh, Alan Giannis, uh, who we've only seen a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Lucas Stoffer is also uh, an option there, um, but I don't see like I see him and, and Devera on sort of equal footing. It's hard mm-hmm. to kind of pick which one of those two guys should start. Right. Um, so is it time to, to hit the panic button and start looking at other pieces? Or is this, you know, one of those moments of adversity that the team is just going to have to, you know, shake off and, and pick up the pieces and, and just turn around and get a win against North Carolina next week? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think they should panic a little bit because this is a team that uh, they went into Louisville and played them very well and probably should have taken three points. And they probably should have taken three points in this game, too. But they were completely – they got in their own way, so to speak. I mean, a lot of the mistakes were just very, you know, preventable. Uh, if I were John Wolniak, I wouldn't mind uh, trying out a couple guys. But, I, I mean, we don't see what he – you know, what him and the coaching staff see in training. So uh, – but I, I definitely think Giannis should um, get a start going forward. And if Lombard is is good to go and um, is putting in the work, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to giving him a start either. I think that, you know, this, you know, it, it seems like this is around the time where they get uh, their, you know, their lineup that they want to consistently play. Uh, but as far as the back line goes, I don't know if they have one right now because uh, the outside backs haven't been convincing. And um, I, I think the pairing of Hassan and, and uh, Kevin Pollitz is probably the pairing you're going to go with but you you need help on the outside because uh those two guys can't do it on their own yeah it, it might have been a mistake not looking uh, for some other answers at center back and you know we talked about it at the beginning of the season i'll get i'll throw credit to anthony <laughs> on this one <laughs> that i was talking about how the you know the back line is mostly stable from last year in terms of the center backs and that should make it a little bit easier for their transition but uh, when they struggle, they struggle so mightily. And the system itself is really, I mean, based around individual performance and any of those chains uh, kind of really not um, pulling their weight kills it for the rest of the team. So, you know, hopefully it's not a, a big issue moving forward. Um, yeah, who would have thought that we, that, you know, the back line of Hassan and Jordan Scarlett would, you know, would be the the problem we thought this team's problem was going to be scoring goals this year yeah and and it's the, it's the complete opposite i mean they're the only team with 50 goals in the league right now so i mean they just got to figure it they, they just got to figure it out because you know they've only i think they've only got four home games left yep and they have a pretty big road trip where they're gonna have to take some points if they don't take any points from the road trip and they even even if they take their rest of their home points or if they, you know they get a couple draws they're gonna need wins on the road they can't just get draws um they're gonna have to go on the road in the playoffs and i mean i know that they this team played well at, on the road towards the end of last year but there's a lot of good teams that they're gonna have to play in in the eastern conference that i'm i don't know if they're ready for yet on the road yeah i mean right now if you're you're gonna you know force me into to talking about where I see them shaking out, uh, they're middle of the pack. I don't th- I don't see them as an elite team in the East. I no. think they can stand up and challenge those those teams on a given night. 
but I don't think they could do it consistently. And, you know, I think we see some of that. One of the things we keep talking about on this show is, you know, well, it's only June, it's only July. Well, now it's August and time is very much running out for them to kind of get their act together in terms of their road performances. And they, they've really yet to do that. And I think you're a hundred percent right that if they don't get some of those points and some wins on the road, I don't see one. Yes. They're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. And I don't see them making a deep run because of that, but it's quite possible that they don't make the playoffs at all right now. They are in fifth place and they're separated from ninth or sorry. I should say they're separated from uh 10th place, North Carolina FC by just five points. And they've played two more games than most of the teams below them. At least two yep. more games. Yep. They they could be in some serious trouble uh, if they don't start getting uh, more consistent performances, especially at home, where they should be uh, really dominating and have dominated for most of the year. And yes, I know it's Louisville, who's one of the best teams in the East. But, you know, at some point, <laughs> you got to get those results. And uh, they they did well enough on the road in Louisville to get a 3-3 draw, but uh, it, it was just a, a terrible, terrible result to lose the way they did. You can't score four goals at home and lose. That is, yeah, that's a not, problem. That's a big not, problem. Yeah, and and I mean, I you know, their home games left. I mean, they're not. I mean, except for the Pittsburgh game to close the year, they, they're they're winnable games. All yeah. three games are winnable games. But I mean, if they're gonna play like you know, if the the defense isn't going to be on, you know, up to speed. And I mean, I think, you know, in training this week, they'll go over things of what happened in this game and try and fix it. But they, they're going to have to be more consistent because, you know, say even if they make the playoffs, they finished, you know, sixth or seventh, they, they're going to have to go to, you know, play Pittsburgh or have to play, you know, uh, Louisville on the road again. And, you know, that's not an easy task. I mean, you know, there's, I think, uh, I believe Nashville's just right behind them and has two games in hand on them. Um, there's, there's yep. a couple teams that are like right there that, you know, they're, they've been inconsistent, but I mean, they're quality teams. So, I mean, they're going to have to find, they're going to have to find, you know, the, uh, this break is, 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 is a, it could be a good thing for them. And it also could be a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because it gives them a chance to refocus, you know, you know, to get back, you know, where like, you know, we're a good team. We're nowhere a good team, but you know, we can be better than we are. And or it could be something where that you know this dawns on them, and you know it it you know this could be something that uh, maybe you know maybe they just make the playoffs because of this result, or you know it, the season could turn basically on that result on Friday. Yeah, and that would be absolutely best case scenario that this is one of those losses that that makes everyone reevaluate everything. They have <laughs> a lot of time to kind of uh, do some soul searching, and, and hopefully they turn around. You know, you mentioned. The, the game is remaining at home. They've got North Carolina next week, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Then Ottawa, who really whooped on them last time they came yeah. to town. Yep. Then Toronto FC2, which is a very winnable match. I, I think the same thing about North Carolina, by the way. Uh, and then Pittsburgh, which is absolutely not an easy match. So two nope. of those, like you could see them taking uh, seven or less points in those four matches. And I mean, every point is critical. Yep. At this stage of the game, uh, especially having played so many matches so far. Okay, let's talk man of the match. Uh, I mean, from from a perspective of he did a lot of good things and put in a lot of work, I would go Andrew Tanari. Um, I thought, you know, he took his goal well, 
probably going to end up in double digits by the end of the year if he keeps on his pace. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he did a lot of things, you know, he fought for a lot of extra passes or a lot of, a lot of loose balls, you know, 50, 50 challenges. I thought he was good. Um, but I mean, there's not a lot of bright spots in this. I mean, from a, from, from a team perspective, there's not a lot of bright spots individually. I thought certain players played very well. Yeah. And, uh, just to remind everyone, these are the guys who could not play in this match, uh, because they were either with the first team or injured Brian White who's been so terrific for the Red Bulls 2 this year. Um, Amando Moreno, who, I mean, he was lighting up uh, the USL. He had gotten so hot, and now he's injured. Uh, Christian Caceres Jr., which was another, I think, huge loss. Uh, and those three guys, I mean, they make a huge difference when they're out there, so hopefully they get them back soon. Uh, I will agree with you. I think Tanari was the man of the match uh, in a match that <laughs> otherwise didn't really deserve one. From a development standpoint, a lot of these guys up front have done a very good job this yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Tanari's been great. I kind of, I really hope he gets first team contract because, I mean, as far as you know, with with the first team situation, we, you know, we don't know exactly who's leaving or who's staying. But right, of course. I mean, if they want a guy who's going to be, you know, um, be an all, be able to play, be flexible in the midfield, be able to play, you know, out wide in the middle or at the ten or at the six. You know, he's one of the guys. I mean, Jared, uh, Jared Stroud's done a great job this year, too. Um, I do like the fact that um, even though, you know, he didn't score in this game. Um, yeah, the fact that uh, Stroud didn't score in this game, you know, I think, I believe he had another assist in this game. Um, I think that that's right. I think on the second goal, he had the assist. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Tom Barlow's uh, Tom Barlow, you know, even though he didn't score in this game, also I thought put in a good shift. Jose Aganaga, you know. Uh, not playing his natural position, thought did a good job. But there's um, his, his you know, pass on that first goal uh, was yeah. beautiful to yeah. Tom Barlow. Yes, and uh, good job by Barlow recognizing that uh, you know that to play the ball across to Denari. Um And you know, uh, Caceres, we all know, has done a very good job. Uh, we know Evans done a good job too. I mean, nothing he could really do about the goals. I mean, maybe the free kick, but again, that went through a bunch of bodies, and he really couldn't see it. Um, but you know, there's there's positives on this team from a development standpoint. But I mean, I I think we didn't have as high of expectations coming up, coming with this team into the season. But I, I think now that we've seen what they can, what they're capable of, we kind of feel like they should be better than they are. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's it. We're partly we're um, spoiled because of how well the Red Bulls two have done throughout their history. It's true. Uh, true. But yeah, no, it, it could be better. I wasn't I wasn't privileged to the 2016 team, um, but I like to watch them in person uh, because I was in uh, Phoenix covering that team. But I would watch I, whenever I got a chance, I would watch their games. And I was I mean, I don't know if they're ever going to replicate that team. If they do, I mean, geez, that would be that would be something. though. I mean, any team in the league that could re- replicate how good that team played together and how dominant they were would be pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple of things I want to talk about uh, before we sign off. First, we know. Uh, well, first, the, the guys on this team I want to touch on um, who should be, or who we think should get uh, an MLS contract next season. Um, first, uh, you know, I'll say one, then I'll let you say one. We'll go back and forth. I think okay. we'll each say we'll each say two. I think that that should be enough. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, first and foremost, we already know that Brian White got that contract. I expect him mm-hmm. to be there, but I also think we should see Jared Stroud get a first team contract. The way that he's played that wing okay. role uh, is I'm something say- that. Wait, wait. The, the way that he's played that ring, wing role oh, yeah, is right. another one of those things that, like, the first team doesn't really have a winger like that. We have to see what Ivan can bring, uh, Andreas Ivan. Uh, but otherwise, they, they need one of those players that they can bring into a match and look to open things up out wide and bring some energy. And I think Stroud could be that guy. Uh, the, Jared's creativity is great. I mean, yeah. if they want someone who could just whip the ball, in the, get the ball in the box, I mean, talk about it. He can pick out teammates like no tomorrow. I mean, um, so uh, I'm going to say Andrew Tanari and I'm going to say Amanda Moreno. Uh, yeah. as, far as, as far as another guy, you know, hopefully he comes back healthy. Um, as far as another guy who can just take over a match when you need him to. And he's got so, you know, he's, I want to say he's not that quick, but he's deceptively quick. And, he's, oh, and his skill on the ball, uh, I would think, would cause a lot of people problems. Yeah, I don't think he's like a um, a sprinter over no. like a, a hundred meters, but in those short um, spaces, he's so quick to react. His reaction time is fantastic and usually uh, above most of the other players on the field. And that's really what the Red Bulls thrive in, is having these guys who can react quicker and win those 50-50 battles. And, and that's why he's been so important to the team. And obviously the the work ethic. The other guy I think who we didn't say yet, um, and I think every, this is like the least guarded secret, oh. uh, but uh, is Christian Caceres, <laughs> yeah. because obviously Tyler Adams is going to be moving on. We don't know what's going to happen with Mark Schakowsky. And when he is uh, in form and playing, he is another one of those guys that you watch him and you say, all right, he should not be playing at USL. He needs to be challenging himself in MLS. I would really like to see him and Sean Davis partner. I think that would actually... I don't know if yeah, I don't know I I don't want to say he'd be just like Tyler there but I mean it's a, it's uh, a different kind of player cuz I I like yeah. what Tyler does um but in terms of what Caseras brings to the match there's a little bit more range in passing and the ability to open up the defense. I, I Tyler can do that. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think that's his bread and butter where I see Caseras more as that type of player. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, it might be a little tricky defensively because even though Casares is very very good, he doesn't have the that like that um, burst that Tyler has. Tyler is no, another one no. of those guys like Tanari who is so quick to react uh, that he makes things really terrible for defenses. <laughs> and with with some of those guys in mind, and obviously with Brian White in mind, um, I want to talk about the next fifteen days for the New York Red Bulls, the the first team that is. Mm-hmm. Saturday against Vancouver, Wednesday at oh, sorry if Saturday at Vancouver, Wednesday at New York City, Sunday home for DC, Wednesday home for Houston, Saturday at Montreal. That's a brutal brutal schedule. And yeah, it's a lot of games too. You know they they've talked about the depth all year. Do we do you expect to see Brian White? Or even uh, Anatoly Abong getting some starts in this stretch. Abong, I think, is more of a stretch because I think he still needs to get back into fitness. Right. But uh, but Brian I, White's traveling with the team. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, I would. I would. I would hope Brian would see it start. I mean, you know, this is a type of um, you know you have a a brutal schedule coming up. You have a lot of games and a lot of days, um, and you want to keep these guys fresh. So I mean, uh, why not give Brian a start? I mean. 
hey, you know, you called him up for a reason. You gave him a first-team contract for a reason. Uh, let him play and show, show what he can do. Okay, in in those matches, so Vancouver, City, D.C., Houston, and Montreal, which one do you think best suits Brian White? Uh, I'm going to say oof, probably the Vancouver game. I'm going to say City, and here's why. Okay. Uh, their back line is getting pulled apart a little bit because they're, they're wingers. Even though they're playing like an inverted style, um, mm-hmm. they're wingbacks. They are, they are a big part of generating the offense under Torrent. And I think I think because of that, they leave a little bit of space behind them, and they don't really have the speed to cover it. And I think that it, it would be smart to bring someone like Brian to kind of like pull guys out of position, and maybe as a second forward with Bradley Wright Phillips if you wanted to do it. Um, and it's obviously on that small... Uh, baseball field, yeah, but yeah. but you can still pull guys out of position with your movement, and I think it, it would be wise to use him in one of those those spots. Yeah, and he's deceptively. Qu- I mean, you have to respect his speed too, because I think he's deceptively uh, quick. And um, I mean, I, Armis is like to try new things. I mean, yeah. that would be that would be interesting. I would actually like to see that. They definitely have talked about doing the uh, two forwards up top with a bong, but uh, like I said, I don't think he's quite ready to go yet. So no. it would be hard to see him after you know a couple of years of absences <laughs> suddenly starting up top. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, we'd like to first mention that you can follow us on Twitter. I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at jsteen15. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull. That's one bull cast. Raising Bull cast. And of course, that's all on Twitter. Make sure... If you wanna if you wanna ask us questions, make sure you reach out. Questions at raisingbulls.com. That's questions at raisingbulls.com. I haven't done this in a couple weeks because I forget. Questions at raisingbulls.com. And raisingbulls.com, obviously you can come, you can check out all of our episodes. We post them there. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash raisingbulls. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. I think we've covered all the major bases now. Uh, hashtag Merced out. You can also find us at bgn.fm. Go there. Guys, they have shows that you can listen to. Podcasts, really great podcasts. I mention them every single week. But now they're also starting to put up some written content. They have a blog uh, for, with writers from around the USL and covering various teams. They're all super talented, and I would highly recommend uh, giving that a read. Uh And, of course, last but not least, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself and Joe Steen, thank you very much and have a good night. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, like a satellite.